You're listening to Curious Conversations About Sex, and my name is Rog. Stay with me as I invite sexuality specialists to join me in doing our best to answer your questions about sex. Topics range from simple through to the ridiculously complex. So long as it somehow relates to sex, it's up for grabs. Please be mindful that some topics might be great stuff for younger people to listen to, and some might not. Curious Conversations About Sex is brought to you by Curious Creatures, who run a variety of workshops on related topics in Australia. Find Curious Creatures and submit your questions for us to answer at curiouscreatures.biz. With us today is Charlotte Tway and Lorraine Pintelow. Charlotte, uh, how do you like to be described? I am a Melbourne-based fetish escort and an experiential erotic educator. Great, thank you. And Lorraine, how do you like to be described? Hi, I'm a somatic sex educator and I'm also based in Melbourne. Wonderful. Welcome both to the show. Today our question is, some people have, quote, the touch, unquote, and others don't. Can you train it? So some people have the touch and others don't. Can you train it? So first, um, like, do we understand the question? Does that make sense? What's, what's being asked here? What is the touch? What is the touch? Mm. So I assume we're talking about the way that people touch each other, like, like touch in play and sensuality and sexuality. Intimate touch, I would imagine it's referring to within the context of this conversation particularly. I would imagine. I would imagine if it's being submitted here, mm. then it's got something to do with sex. Um, sexy touch is what we're talking sexy about. Sexy touch. We're talking about <laughs> sexy touch. Um, and so, um, so some have the touch and others don't. Uh, can you train it? So, so can you can you train someone to have better touch? Is is the way I'm interpreting this question. Does that make sense? Mm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay, great. Okay, Perhaps, uh, uh, Charlotte, to you first. Can you train the touch? So, it's certainly something that I notice a lot in my work. Um, some people have it, and some people don't. So in, in your line of work, you're in the process of receiving touch or giving touch? Both. Or... So, no. so I like to consider myself as a touch expert. A lot of what I do is very touch-based. Um, and I do receive touch, and it's very variable. <laughs> um, and I don't know what it is that mean some people get it have it and some people don't and I don't know why mm. like what is that born conditioned not having the right sexual experiences at the right age like this is just a little quick little sidebar mm. I, I think it's it's to do with um, people being able to tune into other people's bodies and to be able to absorb touch as well as giving touch mm. Um, Betty Martin talks a lot mm. about this in her Wheel of Consent um, and it's something I use with, with my clients because um, I receive touch too, um, mm. especially when I've worked in the field of erotic dance and lap dancing and things like that. Um, and just, just, I think, setting good guidelines and helping people to really tune into their fingers and really absorb the touch that they're feeling in their fingers while they're touching someone would really help someone get, I think, the touch. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I, I like to think of touch being a mindfulness practice. I mm. feel like the more mindful you are about the way in which you touch, 
the better your touch is. Mm. And likewise, the more mindful you are in receiving touch means the more available you are to enjoying it. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Um, I love what you're saying about it as a mindfulness practice, by the way, because I think about what it's like to give touch. Uh, if uh, I imagine that that touch is going well, the person giving the touch is very, it's, it's, it's a meditation. They're very focused, they're very present to that moment. For me, I feel like it's got a lot in common with meditation. So I, I like what you're saying there about mindfulness. Um, so, um, staying with you, Charlotte, can it be trained? Yes, I, I, I feel like if it's like anything, you can learn to do anything if it's something that you really want to learn. Well, that's helpful, um, isn't it? Yes. Um, <laughs> And, and I think Lorraine's approach is very accurate. Um, and there are lots of workshops and education tools available to people to, to learn the fundamentals of touch. But even just starting with learning how to touch yourself, like experimenting with touching yourself to be able to determine what feels nice to you, mm. it could then translate to what feels nice to somebody else. Yeah, um, yeah, this is where it becomes like a mishmash process of your own inner work and how you relate to your own body and how much you can receive pleasure. It sort of starts to get tied up in your ability to give touch and yeah. Yeah, so I just, I, I feel like if, uh, but, I, but it, it, it's a commitment as well to um, valuing touch. Mm. Um, and so the more you value good touch, the more likely you are to be sensitive to it, be attentive to it. So um, if, I've, uh, if I've received a feedback that I've got bad touch, uh, can I expect to uh, solve that with uh, one book and six workshops? Or like, uh, like how long is it going to take? A, a week? A month? A year? <laughs> <laughs> no, I would say that there is no answer. That's an impossible question. It really, it's, a, it's about focus. Mm. Great, love it. Lorraine, what are your thoughts on touch and whether it can be trained? And yeah, I really agree with a lot of the stuff that, well, everything that, that Charlotte just said about touch. I'd like to, to expand on the, the receiving touch. I mean, learning to receive is, is really important and learning to communicate what you're receiving as well. Oh, um, what do you mean by that? Well, if something's not working for you, being able to communicate when it's not working rather than waiting till afterwards and saying, oh, that wasn't very good, or you didn't touch me in the right way. Yeah, right, because if that feedback's not there, then how's the partner ever meant to learn that the particular touch is not good? Yeah, and learning to, to be able to communicate when something's working and learning to be able to receive that and not see it as a criticism as well. Because um, I think part of being able to tune in to other people is is knowing, is knowing, and we start with the verbal cues, and then once we learn the verbal cues, then we learn the body language that, that happens around those verbal cues. Um, we're expected to, to know how to touch, and we're expected to just be able to do it without being taught. So if we can't do it, mm. we're seen as failing. It is this weird thing how we're somehow already meant to know how to be great at sex mm. without any, or with very little education and almost none of that education being any good. Yeah. That is quite amazing. Same in relationships and self-development. I notice people have often got similar edges around a sense that they're meant to already somehow know this stuff that they've never been taught. 
Yeah, and I think to, to answer your question, it definitely can be taught that a lot of clients come to me wanting to learn particular types of touch. And a lot of the time they don't really know what they're wanting to learn. They just want to learn how to be good. And if they learn to communicate and their lovers learn to communicate with them, then I think that sort of sixth sense of tuning into the body can happen further down the track once they know what, what they're looking for and they know that their partners, they're going to be able to communicate when something's not working. Um, and What's it been like uh, when people have come to you to learn how to be better at touch? Like, um, well, it's been, it's been really interesting and, and really exciting. Um, the first thing that I would um, encourage someone to do is to tune into their own bodies and to start learning to touch, I would, I would have them um, pick up an inanimate object. I'd encourage them to pick up an inanimate object and feel what that feels like on their skin. Mm. So that the object's not needing to elicit any response. It's, it's not got any consent and boundaries to take into consideration. So learning to absorb touch, to really feel what that object feels like with their hands without the pressure of having to please this inanimate object. That is a really good start to being able to tune into your, your touch to what, whatever part of the body it is. We usually start with the hands, but it can be any part of the body that's touching. Oh, nice. And uh, so much easier and cleaner and safer and less loaded to learn about feedback when, or sorry, to learn about touch when you're just dealing with an inanimate object yeah. as opposed to a real live fleshy human being. Mm -hmm. That works for receiving touch. And what about then learning how to give touch? Is that when then you actually will need a an, a, feed, a feedback object. Yeah. <laughs> or people. As we call them. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to need a people for that. Well, not necessarily, because people can practice with their pets. Pets are really good at giving consent. Oh. They'll let you know when things feel good, and they'll definitely let you know when things don't feel good. Wow, so such a great point. Yeah. So does that mean we should go around touching everybody like Bear and Dog that <laughs> scratch on the bum? It's <laughs> a whole new take on pet play, isn't it? <laughs> I think people should probably try and adapt the attitude of the animals and let people know when, when things aren't working and let people know when they want to be, be scratched on the bum. Mm. Pets are such great role models for how <laughs> to just be in the middle and um, suck it up. Um, but for, um, as but in enjoy it enjoy it, yeah, yeah, yeah just be like <laughs> central and being able to just absolutely receive touch congruently and fully, they're such good role models so many of us get in the middle and we're just all like, oh I'm taking up too much space and I'm being too selfish and yeah, pets are great for that yeah. well you know, dogs, some cats <laughs> <laughs> so that brings up some of the barriers to what limits people to tuning into their touch mm. and you know you've mentioned mm. Lorraine about feeling scared about not being good or like performance anxiety um, mm. what are some of the other barriers to to enjoying receiving and giving touch mm. I think maybe time pressures or feeling like always too busy or like we are culturally so bombarded and distracted, like our, we are largely very disembodied and so mm. coming yeah. back into the body is crucial. Yeah, we are. I think uh, fear of criticism for doing it wrong in the first place, ironically, takes people right out of their bodies and right out of the meditation of the experience. 
that makes it harder for them to get good touch. Um, also, very much your, your own relationship to your own body. If you only have a limited capacity for receiving pleasure and receiving touch and you only know a certain amount about your own body, it's going to limit how much you can give to the other. Uh, yeah. I think shame as well. Mm. Mm. Shame around just enjoying sex. Mm. Or shame about not enjoying sex. Mm. Um, especially, I think, with, with women. It's, I don't like to bring gender into things, but you know, we, we live in a world where we, we are gendered. And I think women, a lot of the time, are raised to not want to have sex. We're encouraged to not be sluts and to not give it away and, and to, to turn down our sexual behavior, close your legs, don't show everybody what you had for breakfast. So we, sort of, we have these subliminal messages fed to us from being very, very young to not be sexual and to not enjoy sex so that when we come and we want to enjoy sex, we're, we're expected to just turn it on and, and be sexual, just in certain circumstances that are acceptable and polite and, you know, we're expected to be two things. Which are at odds with the over-sexualisation yeah. of the, the visual mm. world that we're presented with, which then, uh, then limits one's embodiment because you're so paranoid about how you look that you can't access how you feel. Yeah, yeah if, we're, if we're looking at it from the gendered perspective, there's pull in both ways. There's both like the model there for how to be totally sexualised and another voice saying you can't. It pulls in both directions, hey. Yeah. And so how can we all become the winners in this situation? Well, I reckon so much of this comes down to setting up your relationship, setting up, like whether it's your long-term relationship or just a one-night stand, setting it up so that you've got a nice, safe, clean academic learning space with each other where you can admit you have absolutely no idea about this person's body or how to touch it five minutes ago, let alone right now. Mm. Um, and I think that once you get that kind of academic approach in place, um, then yeah, that for me is like the where so much of it lies. And if the person you're with or if the person I'm with is not able to, to cleanly articulate, say for all the reasons you mentioned Lorraine, like it's all those things you're talking about, they just completely shut us down in terms of answering the question like how do you like to be touched. For people that don't even have that answer, I think it's nice to say, okay, well I'm going to touch you three ways, and at the end of that you're going to tell me which one of those touches you'd like me to continue, uh, or something like that, so you give people those options to choose from. But yeah, it's got to be academic, and you've got to be able to admit you've got absolutely no idea, and if you don't have the space in a relationship to ask questions and get feedback, then touch is unlikely to go well. Yeah, I, and I think um, you can do that by just even starting with a few adjectives, descriptors of touch to introduce into your feedback loops, like how's this pace, how's this pressure, do you want it harder, softer, slower, faster, more gaps, you know, more teasing, more intensity, like find out what those words that you can use to describe touch in order to feel comfortable about checking in yeah. with your partner. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with that. R rather than giving them, oh, what would you like, giving them a choice to choose something mm. Mm, yeah. really helps. Because yeah. sometimes everything, all of the choices can be overwhelming. It's just mm. too many options. Um, I'd love to hear, like, what are some of the um, what are some of the approaches or tips or tricks you've got in terms of training people how to touch you or that you've used in these circumstances? Mm. Good question. I like to start with um, a very gentle touch. 
I work with the idea that you can always add more touch, but you can't take touch away once it's been given. And if someone enjoys a firmer touch and you're checking in with them, they'll let you know. Mm. Especially if they're a little bit ticklish and they feel that, that it's too ticklish. They'll let you know straight away if it's too ticklish. But if you start off with the light touch, you can always build it up in intensity. Um, but once you've, you've given a hard touch, if someone's not enjoying a hard touch, Mm. You've already given them too much touch and they're, they're desensitized. Okay, hard to come back from. Yeah, yeah right, so the system resets a little. Yeah. Mm. What are some of the things that I, tips and tricks I've used to train touch? Um, I guess I, certainly within the role as a fetish escort, I'm often in a dominant role so I have the authority to be able to very literally direct people if they are indeed allowed to touch me at all <laughs> <laughs> but in that way I'm very very direct and very literal in terms of how I ask to be touched um, for example start out just by smelling start out I want to just feel your breath on me Okay, now you can introduce light kisses up and down the full length of whatever body part it is I'm offering to them. And so it's very specific. Um, it's nice. I like the way you frame that and invite it and keep it within your control. That's some great skills mm -hmm. there. Yes. That, that's within a very particular type of dynamic too. Yeah. Very power yeah. exchange relationship. Um, in terms of an, within an educational context, it's certainly about just, it, it really is a constant check-in process, asking mm. questions. It, what does that feel like? What, what, where does it make you feel? Um, what sort of emotion does it bring up for you in your body? Mm. Do you want it to be harder or lighter? Can I go here? Yeah. You know, are there any body parts or, that are off limits? Like just, it really is a constant questioning process. I love it. Um, uh, I, I love to uh, think of the body that's in front of you as a science experiment and yeah. you don't just do the experiment and then not watch the feedback. Mm. But try something, try a move and then have a look at what happens. Does the person breathe more deeply? Does their body sort of flinch and jerk and twitch away from you mm. or does it yield and warm and, and nudge towards you a little bit? Um, do they make a noise? Are their eyeballs dilating? All those sorts of questions. And uh, yeah, humans are just science experiments waiting to happen. And that's where the presence is is vital as well, because yeah. you're paying attention. Like you're not thinking about taking the rubbish out. <laughs> yeah. You're not thinking about you know the the next appointment you've got. Yes, you are absolutely focused on what's in front of you. Yes. You're listening to all those signals, and you do need to have that set up in terms of hey, can I borrow your body for five minutes? I just want to explore a range of touch just to see what happens. Would that be okay? So yeah, you've got to have that freedom and framing. You've got to take the pressure off yourself to actually take it to any sexy particular kind of a spot. Mm. Um, I also think I've got I've got so much to say about this. Uh, I'm just going to steal really heavily from um, my workshops um, around fun little sex games because so much of that is set up around this thing around touch and communication and so forth. Um, one activity I love doing there, uh, which I in turn have borrowed from other people, is just the green, orange and red exercise uh, where you touch someone and if they are happy for that 
particular touch to continue, it's green, and if they're not happy, it's orange, and you change and move on to something different. So it's this rolling series of experiments that you run. It's a great way to get to know someone. Um, but the thing that's fun about it is it's surprising what turns out to be a green and what turns out to be an orange. You, yeah. you think you know your partner of 20 years and you have no idea. So that, that's one exercise. Another one I love is um, the two-minute game, which um, uh, probably also comes from Betty Martin. Um, but she got it from somebody else. She got it from somebody else. else. Okay, who yeah. knows where these H things Hector start? Hector or something. I can't remember his name. Okay. I had it, but it's gone. So, so in that one, quite simply, you take it in turns to ask what you want for what you want, and assuming that the other partner is into that, they give that to you for two minutes, and then you swap, and then you swap, and then you swap, and there you go. You're now a professional at this. And the thing I love about it is, again, you think you know your partner, and then you hear the things that they ask of you, and you just go, wow. <laughs> Wow, I had no idea. And something that I've stolen from one of your workshops, Rod, which is a really great little tool, is how could this touch be more perfect? Ah, uh, that's be a beautiful phrase. Because yeah. it's already asserting that the touch is perfect. So if you're in that fear of criticising, being criticised mode, it, it takes that risk out of it. And it invites the opportunity for somebody to tell you, oh, well, it could be a little bit slower, or a little bit lighter, or a little bit firmer. Mm. Yeah, I, uh, I love that activity. And I love, um, it reminds me that um, so many of us do uh, so much better with uh, a line like, like say, say touch is not going particularly well. If, um, say, you're massaging my foot in a particular way, and I just say, oh, not, not, not like that so much, no, mm -hmm. no, too hard or something like that, um, it's kind of going to freak you out and put you down and it's going to be hard for most people to recover from that in a yeah. sexual context. But if I say something like, oh, thank you for this massage, I would love it if you could go a little gentler, that would just really float my boat, thank you. Mm -hmm. um, it just makes it so much easier. Framing it in the positive. Framing it yeah. in the positive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> most of us work better with positive reinforcement rather than shaming. Mm -hmm. Oh my God, who knew? Back to shame again. <laughs> back to shame again. Yes. Oh, we're back to shame again. Mm. <laughs> so do we have any other thoughts on touch and training and whether it's possible to train good touch and things that things that we might have experienced that were great at learn, learners for us along the way I think breath is really important oh. as well it's something that I teach my clients as soon as they walk through the door how to take a nice deep breath into their belly hmm. and once you're breathing you can concentrate you can oh. tune into your body more hmm. Not only to receive, but also to give. So, so part of this is simply, I mean, am I understanding you right? Part of this is simply around just embodiment. Like yeah. just being in your body and being in your breathing. Mm -hmm. is, just that alone is going to help bringing you into the moment. Definitely. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Mm -hmm. And so would you normally do like, like, like one breath or three breaths or 68 and any particular kind of breaths? I try and get my client to breathe all the way through the session. Deep mm. belly breaths, um, and if they're having difficulty breathing into their belly, I've got a few different exercises that I teach them to to help that process. If if they can't breathe in their bellies, then the whole session's going to be about breath. <laughs> That's going to take them up to the start line mm. before they can even start to work with touch. Mm. Mm. And mm. I have uh, been told of a great little technique is. If you stop breathing, I'm going to stop touching you. Yes. <laughs> oh, so good. So good. 
Happiness is now enforced by law. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. All right, excellent. Well, thank you so much. I've really enjoyed exploring that question with you both. So, uh, Charlotte, perhaps if you can say a little more about what you do and where people can find you. Sure. Um, so, as I've mentioned, I'm a fetish escort and experiential erotic educator. Uh, I've spent a lot of time, most of my career, as a sensory specialist making artwork, um, and now I direct that into collaborating with clients in uh, personalised erotic explorations um, in all sorts of realms of fantasy, fetish, BDSM, and girlfriend experience. It's, there's a broad range there. And I also really love educating people how to develop new pathways to pleasure and enrich their relationships. Mm, wonderful. And where can people find you? charlottesway.net Great. And Lorraine, would you be able to tell us a little more about what you like to do? So I'm a somatic sex educator with a background in erotic dance. I help people enrich their sex lives in a variety of different ways, depending on what the person wants to achieve. Some people want to have a coaching session, so they chat about things that are bothering them, ask for advice and learn new techniques. And other people come in for sexological bodywork sessions. So... What is sexological bodywork? Well, it's quite tricky to describe to people who've never received this type of touch before, especially if their only frame of reference is a medical examination or touch from a lover. So sexological bodywork sits in the middle of this spectrum if you think of these two types of touch as the different polarities. Um, And sexological bodyworkers in Australia are governed by the Somatic Sex Educators Association Australia. Um, so sexological bodywork sessions can be really helpful for people who are happy with their sex life but they want to learn something new to deepen their experience of sex. And it can also help with a variety of issues that people can be struggling with, such as difficulty receiving penetrative sex, learning to have more choice around ejaculation from any gender, learning how to receive and enjoy touch. So if people want to contact me, they can reach me through my website, which is www. LorrainePea.com.au and that's spelled just like the quiche L-O-R-R-A-I-N-E-P.com.au Hey there friends, it's Rog again. Uh, If you liked what we were talking about today, you might be interested in one of my workshops if you're in Melbourne. Uh, The workshop is called Fun Little Sex Games, and it's a whole bunch of little communication-based activities uh, that uh, include touch and also a range of other things um, aimed at helping you to uh, get better at communicating with your partner about what you're interested in and negotiating uh, and just basically having a whole load of fun with your body and your sexuality and taking that to some interesting new spots. Uh, I run versions for couples and for singles, and uh, some are scheduled to come up in Melbourne, so please jump on the website and have a look if that sounds like your interest. Thanks.